age. Lock yourself in. This week, Violet Coco is locked in a cage. She's locked in a cage for 15 months, sweet tears, because she expressed concern about climate chaos. More accurately, she expressed concern about the government's failure to do anything to address the causes of that chaos. This week, Violet Coco was locked in a cage by Magistrate Alison Hawkins because she inconvenienced thousands of Sydney commuters by obstructing one lane of traffic on the Sydney Harbour Bridge for 25 minutes. The New South Wales Attorney General, Mark Speakerman, said, the right to protest must be weighed against the right of ordinary members of the public to move about safely and freely in their day-to-day -day lives. Last week's news is not new news. One year ago, Eric Serge Herbert, Sergio, was sentenced to 12 months in a cage for obstructing a coal train. Queensland's police chief, Katrina Carroll, said the arrest and New South Wales new laws sent a strong message to protesters. Australian authorities are out of step with international opinion, though. UN Rapporteur for Freedom, Clement Vuhl, expressed alarm, adding that peaceful protesters should never be arrested. Of course, there are protesters around the world in cages for challenging their governments. Students protesting in Iran are being dragged off the streets and those from minority populations are disappearing without a trace. Chinese protesters are fated around the world as standing up to President Xi. People in other countries are simply caged for being inconvenient. Australia's Deaths in Custodies program still murders around 80 people a year. So, Chinese de protesters defend democracy, but First Nations children are criminals. Iranian protesters are defending women's rights, but Australian climate activists are serial pests. Who picks these causes? Who decides who gets locked up, who gets shamed, and who gets celebrated? Alison Hawkins locked up Violet Coco, but Gina Reinhardt, Julia Bishop, and Barnaby Joyce signed the deals about uh, the current coal commitments at a wedding in India in 2011. 7,000 guests attend Siddharth Reddy's wedding, which ran for three days and cost $2 billion. It was described by the politicians who went to the event as a high-level global business event. So, somewhere between a billionaire's wedding 11 years ago and the courtrooms of Sydney last week, the message has been transferred that short-term profit is more important than the long-term well-being of the people. We must balance economic considerations with environmental ones. Along the way, the message has become transformed into the inconvenience caused to daily commuters is more important than the deaths of other unknown people at some point in the future. And how are these messages transmitted, conflated, confused, simplified and turned into three-word slogans? They are transmitted, sweeties, by people like me talking to people like you from our fake media cages. Usually we move as a mindless pack, hunting the latest female prime minister. We shape the bubble in which we communicate by dressing our cages in the livery of our choosing. Sometimes we step outside our cage and drop into your world to amplify our connection with you. We can even drop in on ourselves using the magic of the realm of the screens to distract you from critiquing our rhetorical errors. 
And because of the choices we make in our pretend cages, real people get locked up in real cages. People like Violet Coco, people like Sergio, people like Dylan Voller. Frustrated by fake governments using the fake cages of the fake media to sell you fake news to keep you comfortably numb, the people take to the streets to deliver the, their truth to power directly. They don't just disrupt the traffic though, they disrupt the flow of power. That's why the state resorts to violence. We know the power of the state is slipping when it resorts to violence. Notably, that's not what Pauline Hanson meant when she suggested that the police use cattle prods to move on protesters. She simply does not understand what is happening. She actually thinks that protesters are naughty children throwing a tantrum who need to be smacked soundly and sent to bed like I was when I was a child. And it didn't do me any harm, did it? So, sweet ears, what do we do? We can all take to the streets. That helps, but it's not enough. Millions of us marched against the Iraq war, but we went along anyway. It did not stop Beijing clamping down in Hong Kong. We have to take to the streets and we have to take the message from the streets to the dinner table, to the barbecue, to the lunchroom, to the classroom, to every situation where we have to where we have a voice. We have to become our own media and we have to burst the bubble of our social media, talking to people who don't agree with us, having those uncomfortable conversations. I was recently wired to an exercise bike with a heart rate, temperature and other monitors. As I pedaled, my bodily functions pulsed before the doctor on a screen. In a white jacket, he regaled me as I peddled with his political views on China, US bases, and how the US bases would prevent China from accessing the Indian Ocean through Myanmar. Now, whether it was part of the procedure designed to raise my blood pressure or not, I never asked, but he annoyed me, and I'm still talking about it. He is now the template for my activism. Every chatty bus driver, barfly, beggar, neighbour, Bible-thumping evangelist and shopkeeper knows exactly what I think about locking up Violet Coco and Sergio and my fellow citizens of First Nations heritage. We have gone beyond polite chit-chat sweet ears. This is about surviving extinction.